Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. Let's get faster. You can't prove that I nearly said we live F1, so let's crack on with the iRacing podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners, ready. And in order of importance, we've got Bradley Philpot joining us. Hey, Brad. Good evening. And Matt, two rumpets. I noticed that. Ah, you see what I did there. Uh, well, I could almost be saying that I'm doing it in order of iRating today because we're also joined uh, from, by our new friend from Denmark, Karsten Lemtje. Have I got that? Did I get that even close, Carsten? It was close. You tell us the real way. Carsten Lemke. Lemke. There we go, Carsten. Yeah. And you are in, uh, you are many things, but most relevant to us today, you are a, a sim commentator at times. Yes, I've been commentating on the Danish championship this year, and uh, it's been a blast. So you're like the Chris Stevens of Denmark, or maybe yeah. even a bit more important than that. Have you caught any of our Missed Apex broadcast, Carsten? Yes, I have. Uh, and also, last season, I was also participating in some of the races, uh, both MX-5 and also the Formula Renault. Yeah, you were in our series. You had a very striking a black and neon green livery, if I remember correctly. Yes, it was like the Matrix uh, livery, and then with a picture of the world and numbers. So what's interesting with the Missed Apex series is we all hang out on Discord, we're all racing together, we're all having a great time. Nobody ever asks what anyone's day job is you know you get in touch when uh, we were looking for for people to get involved in this podcast and you're like oh yeah by the way you know i'm involved in tv uh automotive stuff and you're like oh my god there's some amazing people in that group but also you guys are amazing that's why we're here i've been part of the community for well over a year and also a proud supporter uh, he means me guys <laughs> not not you two so much uh, let's talk a little bit about our week in iRacing. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some Danish national championships in a little bit as well. Uh, but Brad, you have been uh, taking on F1 again. How's that going? Yeah, it's going well. Um, I'm gradually moving up the championship order after the second round of the season a few weeks ago where I was taken out at the start. So um, it is a best certain number of races out of nine or whatever it is. So you know, by the end of the season you can discount a couple of races. But yeah, I've had a couple of good results. And at the weekend, just gone, had a really nice race at Silverstone. On the Missed Apex F1 podcast, you did a, a huge breakdown of what F1 drivers are doing when they're saving tyres and got a really interesting response, actually, from people. They were like, the one person, my favourite response was, I didn't understand any of that, but he sounded so smart when he said it. Uh, but it kind of, it put the skill of tyre saving, I think, into perspective, certainly for me and a lot of our listeners, are you still enjoying that aspect? Because you were mentioning that um, at Montreal, you're also tyre saving and fuel saving. Yeah, so we've gone from up until now, always being limited by one of the front tyres, normally the front left. Um, at Montreal, it's actually rear limited. So we're, we're using about 20% more rear tyre per stint than front. So that's what really prevents you from getting to the end. And I've done enough practice runs through the whole race to work out that if you're not careful, you run out of rear tires a few laps from the end. So, um, so it's still definitely a part of it, but also fuel. Yeah. So you have to save some fuel as well at Montreal. Um, I guess because of all the, the, the big stops and accelerating yeah. from low speeds coupled with some very long straights. So is this lift and coast to save fuel? Yeah, it is. I mean, short shifting to a point helps, I believe in our, our racing, but I think the main thing is 
throttle position. So lifting off before the end of the straight and not staying flat out right up until the last moment. So, and when you do this, you know, choosing when to do the fuel saving is quite crucial because if you do it at a point where you're going to be undercut, you're going to lose track position. If you can wait until you've got the track position, so second stint, if there's a one-stop race, then you can kind of just get in people's way and save fuel whilst being at mm. the head of the pack. So that's the aim. Oh, right. So while you're saving fuel, they've they've got you in the way. So I guess they're still pushing and you're saving fuel. Yeah, so they're not able to pull away because you're saving fuel and, and they're not in that phase. So you need to get in front and then try and deal with it. So does this mean that there is a fuel, an absolute fuel limit like there is in real F1 and you must cope with it? Yes, there is. Yeah, so exactly that. Um, so you need to you need to really think about it. But part of the good news is some of the tire saving is also fuel saving. They kind of cross over right. at a certain point. Being very smooth, applying the throttle, um, you know, just n- not jumping on the gas as early as possible. That also helps you with your your tire wear and your fuel saving. So I have actually got some experience of uh, eye racing fuel saving, and it was completely unintentional and by accident. It was a couple of F one F um, F three seasons ago where a lot of people jump on using the PDS setups or um, the VRS setups that are on these subscriptions. And I think both those services or the main one, I think it was PDS, got their fuel level wrong. So in the afternoon of the Tuesday for the first race, I think it was at Imola, I, I, was, I was going around with about six laps to go and, and you get that warning five laps to go. And you're doing the maths, you're going, I'm sure there's six laps left. And I I realised... I'm not going to make it. I've, I've, I've done this wrong. What's, what's going on here? Um, but other people didn't realise. So on the last lap, I saw people like chugging out fuel. But I decided to go, right, do I do a splash and dash or do I try and fuel save? So I had to guess how to fuel save. And I'd never done it before. And that was my instinct. The big one was the short shifting and then just being really cautious on the accelerator. Because I've done this in real life when I was super skint. I remember researching how to save fuel and it's it's not the safest thing to do. Don't advise this at all. But like going into neutral as much as you can on your road car, staying and here's the worst one is staying in the wake of a truck on the motorway. It, this, this, it's all awful advice. But there were some parts of my commute where I could be in mu- neutral for up to a mile and just coast. And that's where I really learned like every time you touch the brake, you're actually using fuel because you've got to recover that speed. So, I mean, I don't know how old that particular car was, but just for like up-to-date fuel-saving advice, going into neutral in a modern car uses more fuel than not going into neutral. So um, just coming 100% off the throttle yeah. will shut the injectors off entirely, and that's what iRacing will simulate as well. Right. Whereas if you're in neutral, the car actually has to put in more fuel to get the revs up to tick over, effectively. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, um, I mean, on my commute, I'm literally talking about when I was high, go into neutral and just like coast down the hill towards work. Uh, but yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so really interesting tactics to fuel saving. I'm not sure it's the most the most thrilling racing car. Does that does that appeal to you? Some lift and coast? No, I'm not that kind of lift and coast type. And uh, but I've done some of the longer races on iRacing, and sometimes you have to refuel, and that has really brought some problems up because you think how many liters of fuel do you need Maths. for the next stint? And uh, I I just found out uh, this. Uh, I think it's called race race app, race lap app. It's called. And it works really, really well, really well. But fuel saving, not for me. Well, it comes up a lot in the endurance races as well, particularly like if you're doing the team events, the ones that are like the six hours or the 12 hours or the 24 hours, because you'll be sat there and you'll be like, oh, someone will go, oh, well, you know, if you can save a little fuel, we get an extra lap out of it. Mm. It doesn't really matter so much in a two or three hour race. But if you're doing a 24 hour race and everybody participates, then it can actually start to become a real part of your strategy. And it's not unique to to just sim racing. Obviously, even in kart racing in 24 hours, you'll sometimes get the instruction to fuel save, won't you, Brad? Yeah, I've very, very nearly run out of fuel in several 24-hour kart races. And it's not like in a car where you tend to have at least a relatively accurate fuel gauge. In a kart, you're especially at night, you're leaning over the edge of the of the tank, trying to look down and just work out how much fuel is sloshing yes. around in there are you at the bottom yeah. sometimes you'll like draw a, a a kind of black line on the fuel tank to give you an indication of from this point downwards you've got two or three laps remaining but in reality it sloshes around so much and it's not very 
opaque so it's quite hard to see the level yeah. of the fuel inside the tank well fortunately in iRacing you you at least have a a, a lapse estimated lapse left which which is only accurate when you're going at full pelt i think it's not accurate when you're like dawdling in the pits or when you're stationary it says oh you've got a million laps left but everyone keeps um saying use this uh crew chief and this is a bit of a tangent but has anyone here got crew chief to work properly the crew chief app where you can just go like oh crew chief uh, chief how much fuel have i got left I, not I, for I, fuel I, left Costin, well, go yeah, I, I downloaded the, the thing because my, my friends, they said that it works really well and you can just uh, tell them how much fuel you need as well. But actually this race app lab, uh, lab app, uh, it, it can calculate how much fuel you need and, and uh, just put the right amount into the car. So you don't have to do anything. You just have to tick up, uh, fuel this and put extra three liters in and then everything will be fine. Wait, wait. So do you have to set that beforehand or do you ask it? Yeah. You set it up beforehand, then and it will do it automatically. So when you go into the pits, it puts the correct uh, pint of uh, amount of uh, fuel into the car. So we were talking just before this broadcast um, about how Carsten's a flathead, and this is one of those advantages you have when you're not in VR. You have this whole host of apps which are able to really help you with this kind of thing. I also use race lab apps, but I actually use it for the overlays on my live stream. So I can't see any of these really useful, uh. lovely overlays because I'm in VR and I've never quite managed to get, there is actually a VR element to race lab apps, but I've always found I lose frame rate and, and it kind of just affects me negatively. So I've, I've given up on that and I just use the in-game black boxes. But if we had the ability to to look at screens, we could have the same as Carsten and, and use that. Now, just for anyone who's offended, we say flathead as a term of endearment. We're not flatheadist. We've got Matt. Some of our best friends are flathead racers. Uh, yeah, sure, absolutely, plenty of them. <laughs> Your point, Matt. Oh, well, my point was for those of you in VR, Crew Chief in its um, settings has the option to fuel to the end, and let you also pick an extra number of laps that you would like them to add in case you're concerned about them being a bit too close to the edge with their calculations. And I've used it in races and it works great. You just tick the box, you pull in it, it, it'll fuel you up. And if it's, if there's another stop required, it'll say, you're not going to make it to the end. You got to come back in. And then when you come back in, it just puts the fuel in and off you go. Brad. So my favorite thing about this crew chief app is that it will count you down to your pit box as well. And when you're in races with pits, pit stops like the Formula One races or an endurance race with Matt, and there's lots of people in the pits, lots of cars, and you can't quite see where your man with the lollipop is, someone counting you down in the number of meters really helps you know you haven't missed it. Okay. And I keep hearing all these benefits from crew chief, but I've tried it twice and it just doesn't work for me. The most I can get is for him to go, can't hear you, mate. I don't know. He's Northern, I think. Um, and, and, and he just never... He never registers what I say, so I don't know if my voice is weird for it. Uh, but if anyone knows how to how to solve that, I'd love to give it another go. Well, I actually, I don't use the voice commands at all. I just set it up ahead of time before I even log into the game, and then it just does uh, what I want to when I need it. Ah, see, I've got used to just barking orders at electronics and then fulfilling my, my every whim. Uh, but, Carsten, you have, as a flathead, no offense. Definitely, yes. Uh, as a flathead, you do have... Like access to extra information and i i hear monitor people all the time saying oh um the guy in third place is is losing a second a lap at the moment you go how how are you knowing all this but you you, you have like quite intimate overlays and stuff and and i guess you get that extra fidelity of information yeah i think actually i think you before the show you asked me uh which areas do you want to improve and maybe one of the areas is not to look so much in all these information because I, I tend to talk to the guys on Discord and say, ah, second place just, just made this lap time. He just <laughs> broke the lap record, you know, stuff like that. And it, you you forget to concentrate on the car and driving, actually, and just looking at all the data. Uh, so yeah. Sometimes there's too much data on, on the one screen I have. Um, even in VR, though, Brad, I sometimes get I get lost in the data. I get lost in like looking at my splits and concentrating on that. And um, actually, what I keep getting lost in is the relative. So I don't worry so much about lap time in the race. It's like, am I catching the guy ahead? Am I losing to the guy behind? And you're having to like glance down to the bottom. And the amount of times I've like put a wheel on the grass because I've been looking at the relative box. 
Yeah, I'm very fortunate that I have a steering wheel with hundreds of buttons on and really nice rotary dials and encoders. And anywhere my thumbs and fingers could possibly be, there is an extra dial or a button. So without much effort, I can flick between all these different um, overlays uh, or black boxes. So I don't tend to get distracted by them, but I I also use them all the time. I I really enjoy having all that information. I, I look at it a lot, especially the relative. I think actually one of the things that I like like a lot about this race lab app is that you can see in the relative box you can see the the grade of the other driver so you can see the 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 safety rating and you can also see the the license and you can see can see the i rating and that's quite a lot of information but if somebody comes up to you and they are maybe half a second faster a lap but their safety rating is 1.5 <laughs> Get out, the way. <laughs> get out the way. If they have less than two, I always let them pass because they're, not, they're always going to crash. And then I'm passing them later in the race. So it doesn't really matter. So I, I use that quite a lot. Also, if their eye rating is very high, I know they will pass me anyway. So it doesn't really matter if it's not the last lap. That sounds really useful, actually. Another option you have with that as well is to see what I rating gain you're going to have if you finish in this position. That's always quite cool as well. <sighs> Again, I don't get to see this in VR, but when I'm watching my stream in an endurance race and my teammates driving, you can see, you can choose, you know, you can obviously um, adjust it however you want, but one of the options is to see I-rating gain. I really like that as well. Okay, we're going to have to talk about the safety rating, aren't we? Oh, no. It's been a bad week. Last week, you said to me, Spanners, if you're going to try and gain safety rating whilst doing F3 at Alton Park, uh, did you call me brave or stupid? I can't remember, but it... uh... I mean, you were right, but I did okay, actually. I, I got a slight gain, and I, I crept up a little bit. And even at the start of uh, the Imola week, I managed to get myself up to 3.75. So B license, 3.75. I need four for automatic promotion. Yeah? We're, so we're quite far away from week 13 now, aren't we? We're like two months away. So I, I need that four. But I've got my NPR. I, I ground out doing some VRS uh, GT in the, what have I got? The Mercedes AMG gt3 car uh, quite enjoyable not my bag i don't think but i did it i got it out of the way settled in to do some some sr farming but then i got caught up in the competitiveness of imola now at alton park it was actually a little bit easier because i was very very slow so it was fine to start from the pit lane and not be too invested in the race uh, and go and pick up safety rating at imola i feel competitive and it's gone from 7.5 to 3.1 so i've lost nearly everything so i'm down to 3.1 now um and i'm gonna have to do some dedicated sr farming casting i think yeah i think actually one of the things about race lab is they don't just do these overlays they also have a lot of data they they can uh, provide for you to look at both your own data but also data on the different series and what i uh, you can see how many incidents there are in the different series and Therefore, if you want to farm some safety rating, you need to go to series where there's less incidents, yeah. so as few as possible. Yeah. And actually, the one they have, I think it's with the BMW M4, uh, uh, the GT4 M4, that one looks like there are very few incidents because it's the same kind of vehicle. And the GT3 series, there are a lot of incidents because the, the cars drive fast in different areas of the track. Oh. And then somebody comes, maybe they're good at braking or they're good on the exit of the turn and it's different from like I drive the Ferrari and you drive the Mercedes. And if we are as fast, we'll be fast different parts of the track actually. Oh, so like you might be faster through the corners, but then I get out of the corners better. Cause I think the Mercedes is a bit quicker in a straight line at the moment. It is, yes. Ah. Maybe I can break a little later and do my, my turn in better actually, because it's, it's moving a little bit more than your car. So these are the differences, but Brad knows the cars better than I do actually. I think, Brad, you definitely have to sit there and go, I, I'm going for SR. You have to turn your attention fully to it, don't you? So it's been a very, very long time since I've cared about safety rating. So much so, I didn't. I forgot that you even had to do certain series. I just thought you just drove and it gradually went up if you didn't crash. Um, and I, I've been at a solid 4.99 for a very long time. So mm. it's one thing I'd say is maybe once you're... well. It, it, this won't help you because you need to get the rating before you can do this series. But in the Formula One series, it seems to be weirdly very, very low incidents. Because if you have an incident, then your race is ruined, basically. Um, so I generally average over a, a roughly one hour race, um, like one incident, maybe. You know, so you can you can really, but you would gain a lot from that. If you could just run through a race, because they're long, you're doing a lot of corners in in that one event. 
you'll find really big jumps. But obviously, having said that, you need to get the A license before you get yeah. into that anyway. So that, that won't help you at the moment. <laughs> Matt. Do an enduro. I got my A license um, the first time I ran Le Mans. And I had, it wasn't even a plan. I'd worked hard to get my B license, which you needed to do that race. Jumped in, did all my stints, went to check the tab and saw that I'd been promoted to an A license. I wasn't even trying to be promoted. And I'm not saying that to make you miserable. That's just a happy side effect. What? Matt's got an A license. Could they give it to anyone? I don't even want it now. Yeah. but, But what I'm saying is, and it's because it's based on incidents per corners. So once you do four hour-long stints, you're going to have a massive uptick in your safety rating. Okay, but the killer for, I think, for F3, Spa has it, Imola certainly has it. It's death by one X. So it's just one X at a time. And before you know it, you've suddenly got eight. Because as you're pushing, it encourages you. I think everywhere at Imola, you have to go fully four wheels off onto the runoff so it allows that you have to do that to be fast but then it goes no not quite that far here's another one x and i got past the point of caring because if you obsess over it you can't you can't enjoy the racing and you can't be competitive so i think i've just got to save up enough safety rating so i can spend some having fun at imola can i just have a little whinge about the iRacing inconsistency (laughs) and what counts as an x and what doesn't good so at the risk of just being a whinger why don't they just i mean uh, actually in real life, they don't enforce it consistently either. But the rule is supposed to be, if there's any part of the car still touching the white line, then you're on. Like a tennis ball in a in a tennis yeah. match. You know, if if whatever that... What's that radar system they have? What's that called? Oh, a Hawkeye? Eye? Hawkeye. Hawkeye, yeah. If the Hawkeye sees that there's a tiny bit of the ball still touching the white line, it counts. And that's how it's supposed to be in modern motorsport in the real world as well, certainly in Formula One. Why don't we just have that? Why are you allowed to go almost all the way off or in fact completely more than four wheels off at some tracks yeah yeah other tracks you put one tire a fraction off the track and it's a one x it makes it impossible to know obviously without practicing once you've practiced you know but it makes it impossible really to have a consistent idea of what you can get away with Uh, i i think that's a real weird feature of iRacing yeah the line would be useful but then there are some historic tracks which everyone knows very well and has watched racing out over the years where you're so used to watching F1 cars fly over that curb or go wide on that bit. It would feel unrealistic almost to stay to the white lines. But, okay, look, this will relate this to the recent F1 race at Bahrain. But with all the the controversy at the weekend and them changing their minds a few times, they decided early on that in the race it was going to be okay to go kind of wide at turn four. Well, how long would it have taken just to have got a guy with one of those paint rollers and just go and paint? Even even with a hand paintbrush, it wouldn't t- have taken more than 10 minutes to have just drawn the line further out. I don't know. You could just do that in iRacing, just push the line further out. Anyway, uh, who haven't we done yet? Who haven't we done? Uh, Matt, you've been doing F3s, F3 with me. Uh, tech issues aside and with your VR cutting out, how have you found the, the series and the circuit? Well, I the series I think seems to be much cleaner for me this season than last. I don't know why. Uh, I'm having less incidents inflicted upon me, and I will say, um, and apologies to whoever this was that I was chasing down yesterday. Uh, but the cars seem a bit more robust than yes, they were. Yeah, I think they've made some big improvements to the damage model. I actually punted someone out of the way uh, in that in that left hand hairpin going up, not on purpose. They did that thing where they break really much earlier than you break. And I just couldn't get the car all the way stopped before my nose found their rear end. Yeah, you're right. The damage model has improved because uh, for the second swarm race that we had yesterday, I, I was behind someone in turn one. They they did an initial braking to get down to turn one and then a second panic break when they didn't re- when they realized they hadn't broken off. And I ended up just dinking him on the nose. And instead of the whole thing just disintegrating, I had a bit of damage that cost me a second a lap. So instead of racing for the win, I was racing for seventh. But it wasn't what was happening previously, which is, oh, you slightly touched a twig, go to the pits for four minutes of repair. So they seem to have found some balance. I've also had some rear quarter hits that I've survived as well, Matt. Yeah, well, normally, previously, had you done that, all four of his wheels would have fallen off and one of them would have flown back and destroyed your car too. Yeah, so at least we can race and have fun in F3 again. Uh, Carsten, what have you been up to? What's your your week of iRacing been? Well, we just started a new uh, fun uh, championship 
with uh, 85 comp- uh, competitors uh, last Monday, and uh, we did three uh, divisions or servers or whatever you call it. Splits. And it was really fun, and uh, not too many incidents, and even turn one was quite okay. Uh, and everybody wants to win turn one. So so who's who's we when you're saying organizing? Uh, I'm, I'm part of this uh, group in Denmark where we have uh, our organization is called Digital Motorsport Denmark. And uh, we have uh, different uh, categories that we make races in. And uh, this one is just like a fun championship, but we still want people to pay. So they, they pay a little bit money and then we have some prizes and they can win like uh. a SimLab GT1 Evo. Oh, what? Run up for that. Yeah. And we don't do it like the winner, like Brad would get it because I also want to win it, you know? So yeah. <laughs> I made some different rules that you have to like, a I don't know, you, you call it pick. Pick a straw or whatever. You, it's by random. Oh, okay. You have to you have to compete the whole series and be in top twenty in one of the three servers, and then we'll pick one of them as a winner. Oh, okay. That's an interesting uh, approach to doing it. I mean, we have an entry fee as well. We have a sub to cover our costs at um at the Miss Apex series. Like we we like like charge four quid, and we still get between fifty and sixty people joining. Uh, I don't think for the right series, having an entry fee doesn't doesn't put people off. Because once you're in that community, everything's a little bit more respectful. Uh, you can have a more human stewarding. And like we do stewarding after the fact. So we'll have a quiet word with someone who is driving a little bit erratically. You were telling me that on, is it, is the, is it this series where you have live stewards? No, we, we have made a different uh, rule for this series. Uh, we only use uh, the iRacing rules and then we put down the instance. And if you get disqualified, you can only do it three times uh, in the season. We have... 12 races in total so if you have three disqualifiers you're you're out of the season and also you can get a warning you need to get it from like a steward but in order for somebody to put a protest they have to pay like five quid (laughs) so and 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 if if the if they're the we say that there there was an error and and he should be punished you get the five quid back but if the judge doesn't agree you you can say goodbye to your money I quite, I quite like that, Matt. I don't mind that. That will cut down complaints, but does it encourage clean driving? In, in our Mistake Apex series, Matt, there might be incompetence, you and me included, but there's very little malice and there's a sense that we are looking after each other on track, much in the way you might do in, in real racing, which I like. Yeah, well, and that's the advantage of doing league and series races over the officials where literally anyone can show up. I also do the major series and they have a similar thing. You can file protests on people. You felt their driving was not up to standard and they keep penalty points. And if you get too many, then you get disqualified from the next race. And it's, um, it's a really good way to go about being fair to people who are, you know, suffering from, you know, overconfidence or under competence <laughs> or both possibly yeah. without just, without immediately just dropping the band hammer on them. Do we have to be Vikings to enter your series? Uh, for this one, yes, unfortunately. But there will also be some little bit more uh, international series as well coming up. So. Uh, so tell me about the, is it the Danish national series where you have the live marshals and you broadcast and you commentate on that? Yes, definitely. We, we made a, like uh, three seasons ago, we started the Danish championship. It's uh, I'm also on the board of the national FIA, um, what do you call it? Uh, ASN, it's called actually. And uh, I'm uh, responsible for uh, digital motorsport in Denmark. So we started three years ago doing these series uh, with a with a company called ESR, uh, Esport Racing, very <laughs> imaginative yeah. title. And and uh, this season it's really um, we've got a, a big sponsor with a Porsche in Denmark. They put a lot of money into it. And then we have I think the really big clue is actually the stewarding because we have uh, three live stewards, we have three spotters. Uh, the participants, they can file a complaint during the race with yes. the steward button. I like this. The live stewarding button, Brad. What would you give for that in iRacing? Sorry, I didn't realize you were talking to me. Um, the live stewarding button would be interesting um, because we're reliant on an automatic system, aren't we? So, um, yeah, there's plenty of times where you wish that the person who crashed into you would be the only one that got the incident points rather than you also having to share in the incident. Yeah, so can you just like black flag someone there and then then on the spot or just whisper in their ear, calm down you? We can give different, uh, every on every track we have 
we look at the, the the layout of the track. So sometimes it's like, um, if I don't know, you know, Sebring, it's a really nice track. There's something called, oh, I think, Matt, you have to help me. It's in your country. So there's a long curve. I think it's co- called, there's a really Sunrise. long. No, it's just after the start. There are two, three corners, then there's a long right-hander. And then at the end, you have to break and turn really sharp to the right, but you can also go straight. Yes. So actually, yeah, yeah, there yeah. They, they they made a rule that you had to keep it into first gear and with the pit limiter on, and then you would get a uh, like a uh, a penalty would which would uh, so be it, about five six seconds. If you run off, you have to self enforce the pit limiter into first gear so that you'll take longer to go around and and get back on, like a little penalty lane. That's interesting. Yeah, it, it's a penalty lane that, yeah. but it's only for the stewards to give it to you. And but I think the most genius thing I, I didn't really talk, tell you before. They put a little program on any and every participant, and they measure every one x and every four x. So if there's a four x, it goes automatically into a program, and the stewards they can they they look at it, and all the three stewards and the three spotters, they start to look at it and judge and to see how it works. And we know exactly what time the incident is, and also which participants. So you can actually give a penalty even though there was no uh, call for the steward oh. it's, it's just next level it's it's they don't even have it in formula uh, one i would say that's it we need a sponsor and we need uh, money to emulate that uh we'll we'll include a link actually because it's, it's a really good broadcast obviously a limited amount of our listeners will be able to follow the commentary uh but the way it's put together it looks brilliant it's um uh aspirational in fact i've been looking at it and trying to deconstruct um what you're doing that we're not doing Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. What I want to do, because we haven't done this for a while, is go through some listener questions that we've built up. You can email us. Ooh, what's our email address, Matt? Feedback at mistapex.net or spanners at mistapex.net, or matt at mistapex.net as well. You can't do Brad because he refuses, so you'll have to go and DM him on Twitter. You can definitely do that, or, or you can email me if you want. I don't mind. My oh. email's open. Oh, what I is just it? have a Missed Apex one. What is it? It's brad at bradphilpot.com. Oh. Easy. Okay, yeah, that's brad at bradphilpot.com as well. Uh, and that is Philpot is a surname, not Mr. Pot, who's called Phil which is what happens when he tries to reserve anything at a restaurant. True story. Hilarious. Ah, Mr. Pot, you're here. Take your table, Phil. Whose question are we going for first? Oh, in fact, Mace uh, sent an email relating to what we were talking to earlier. Time trials are the key to raising your safety rating. You get great practice and don't have to dodge the kamikazes. If a group of you want to try dirt sprint cars, I would be happy to host a training and race 900 horsepower in the dirt. What could go wrong? You don't fancy that, Brad? Some dirt sprint cars? Nope. What are dirt sprint cars? They're not those ones with the big wings, are they? That's brick car. Oh, that is brick car, is it? Oh, okay. Right. No, brick brick car is is an endurance series in the UK. No, you, you're right. I'm those are dirt sprint dirt cars. Dirt sprint cars. Okay, cool. Uh, thank you for that email, Mace. I've done time trials. I think with the limited seat time I get, I want the wheel to wheel. And I know I'm always going to pay a penalty for the SR, but 
maybe if I get if I get more time. Um, so let's uh, end the show with Peter Hune's question. This is a while ago, Peter. Sorry, I've not been very good at getting to your emails. I will improve. Uh, here goes. I have been racing for around nine to twelve months, and I think I'm doing average. My question is about sim racing equipment. I've been using a Thrustmaster T150 wheel paired with the Fanatec CSR Elite pedals. Now, uh, do you guys know what is the T150, Brad? How does that compare to my T300? Is the T150 I'm not sure. Yes? Is the T150 the step behind your? I think it probably is because I think if it was ahead of a, of a T300, I'd know about it. So yeah. I think it's. I think your wheel would be a step up from that. Probably. Okay, so uh, paired with the Fanatec CSR Elite pedals. So I know CSL Elite. I don't know CSR Elite. CSL is what you've got, isn't oh, it? Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that must be what he means there. Because he says CSL later, so yes. Uh, Carsten? Okay, there was also a CSR before the CSL. Uh, Actually, it was the old ones. Uh, okay, here we go. Is it with the load cell or not? Because no, that's no. quite... Um, yeah, well, here's his question. Important. He says, I'm, I'm looking to upgrade, and I've already ordered a CSL Elite on the pedals. Uh, I was going back and forth with something like the CSL Elite load cell pedals, but everyone tells me to spend the money on the pedals. What are your thoughts on pedals? Is there a huge difference from entry load cell or would something like the Club Sport V3 really help me out? Don't mind spending the money if it's worth it. Thanks for that question, Peter. We'll start off by talking about brakes and load cells. But the most interesting point of that is people telling him to spend the money on the pedals. So I also want to talk about what, is the upgrade order all the way from wheel stand and desk mounted wheel all the way up to aluminium rig okay so i want to talk a little bit about you know your priorities for upgrading uh, but starting with the the pedals what do we think brad is first of all answer his question there do do we think he should go straight for the csl elite load cell i think he's made a good choice if that's what he's going for that seems to be the go to high quality without breaking the bank pedals I think anyone who is very, very good could win just as many races probably with those pedals as they would going for £2,000 hydraulic pedals. Um, They're really good. You've got them. Matt's got my old set, which this is the next point, my old set, which have started to malfunction for Matt. So um, he's, he's managed to fix them now to a point, but like anything with just normal potentiometers, they're going to eventually wear out or maybe need some maintenance or have something replaced. Oh, so Matt's one isn't a load cell? Matt's is a load cell, yes, but his other two pedals oh, are starting to malfunction. No. So I believe the load cell pedal is still fine. Um, but anyway, they're a great set. I use them for a lot of laps. Matt's probably use them for a lot of laps. And I think most people who have got these, basically most of our crew have yeah. that set of pedals. And I think that's a really good shout. It's not thousands of pounds it's a few hundred pounds but it's a really high quality good piece of kit i think um Karsten, are you also load cell yes uh i used to have like a, a logitech g29 and then i upgraded to the csl elite with the load cell and that was like the biggest step and now i've, I've just uh two months ago i bought the heisenquill sprint pedals and they are just a league beyond i think the braking is so fantastic but they're quite expensive and, and with Brad has spent a lot of time talking to us about braking and like trail braking, judging that bite point and the changing bite point as the downforce bleeds off into a corner. I think those things are near impossible with the potentiometer ones and only really start coming into play properly once you get the load cell. I have a feeling that people who have grown up only doing sim racing rather than having real world driving experience in, in cars or carts or even just road cars... I have a feeling that the the sim only people might not notice so much of a difference. Um, there, there obviously is still a difference, but I think the the jump to having a load cell or or hydraulic pedals or you know the real high end stuff is bigger when that's what you're used to in real life as well. When you've when you've kind of learned your craft using a certain technique, and then this load cell allows you to emulate that in your sim. Um, so I think some people can probably still be world championship level using a set of G25, you know, potentiometer pedals from years ago. But I would certainly advocate for for a load cell set nowadays. That was actually when I got my very first set of pedals that came along with the, the T300 wheel when I first got off the controller. <laughs> that was exactly my complaint was the brakes. I couldn't get the brakes to feel right. And the load cell is a massive and important upgrade. And probably the best upgrade you can make for a given amount of money, I would think. 
for me, the difference between the, uh, my memory of the difference between the elite and the club sport, club sport has a hydraulic adjuster on the pedal. So you could probably fine tune the resistance of your brake pedal a little, a little better. But I do believe that the CSL elite, the load cell has better resolution of the pedal than the club sport does. Club sports also, I think probably on a stiffer platform, just a little higher end materials. There we go. Platform. What Peter hasn't told us there is what platform he's using. So uh, I, for the longest time, well, Matt was using his controller. For the longest time, I was just here at my podcast desk. I would move the microphone out of the way and I would just clamp the steering wheel, the G29, onto the desk. And actually, a desk is a pretty solid thing. There is a bit of movement, but actually, it was pretty good. No complaint with the steering wheel on the desk. And I would say the steering wheel on the desk was actually better than the steering wheel on the on the play seat uh, challenge, the play seat challenge, the fold-out chair. The problem with the desk is most people probably were doing what I was doing, which was on an office chair on wheels. So as soon as you hit the brake with any force, you would fly backwards and you would just end up pushing yourself backwards. So that that is quite important because if you don't if you don't have that solid platform to brake on, you just kind of disappear. But Matt, you're on a roller chair. How do you manage a load cell pedal? Well, I was on a roller chair and what I would do is I would take one of the rollers and wedge it behind the stand for my electric piano. So it wouldn't go anywhere. (laughs) But I've actually gone since then and gotten a folding chair. Right. And I I just have a small folding wooden folding chair that I use now uh, to to sort of have a little bit more stability. And but I I still use I still clamp my wheel to the desk. Yeah. And it works fine. The the only problem I have is that when I brake really hard, sometimes I actually lift the entire desk (laughs) up off the ground a little bit. So that that's a little disconcerting. That and of course Famously, if you don't clamp it down hard enough or one of the little pads gets tilted and you're driving and all of a sudden you notice that one side of the wheel is just coming away from the desk. Yes. Because you've not got it properly. Especially in VR and you just, you don't, you feel it suddenly go away. Sorry, Karsten. Yeah, I think uh, many people, they try different things and then they progress if they stay in the sport. And I used to have a play seat like many people had. And when I got the load cell, the, the pedals just during a race came further and further away because it just it wasn't good enough so i had to buy a real rig and you can do any aluminium rig it doesn't really matter what brand it is i have the simlab uh, gt1 evo and it's really good because you can fit like the heusenfeld sprint pedal directly on it and also the the csl elite pedals can fit on it as well so it's really modular and you can really get a good sitting position but the thing about the rigs is it will help you breaking uh, your braking as well, because I'm not really fast like Phil, uh, Brad Philpott is. Or Phil Mr. Pot. Phil Mr. Pot. Pot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think when you, it's about consistency all the time. So I think actually the, the load cell brings consistency to your braking and also you start to trail brake because you can't really do that before you get yeah. those pedals. Yeah, I think that's that's the key one, Brad, for me, is that it went from yeah, just judging that, that distance. And in the Formula Renault 2.0, I would get the brakes on and so often I would just lock the rear and and it would just spin. And it was so frustrating because there's very little difference in feel between the perfect braking spot and the locked up braking spot. As soon as you go to the load cells, a lot of it is on feel. You get much more of an instinctive, I I don't know, I can't even describe it. It's just, you just know somehow. Uh, And what you haven't really touched upon, which I'm sure you're getting to, is the fact that now you are able to exploit that correctly because you yourself have upgraded equipment in the last week, um, which which has been quite a, a nice story to watch in the background. But um, so, yeah, we don't know what rig we were talking about with with the, um, the listener writing yeah. in. But if it's anything, as long as it's reasonably substantial, um, and obviously your new one is very substantial, then, then you're going to notice a benefit from better pedals. I, I am very embarrassed. Uh, and a little coy, but also incredibly happy. I feel very spoiled and self-indulgent. Uh, Brad, you know how how frustratingly frugal I have been with sim equipment and stuff over the years, like scrabbling around on eBay, refusing to upgrade. Uh, but on on this occasion, I did I did um, big gulp, and you and th- you played a big part in this. Uh, we have a term in our group called Bradfluence, and it's the the bad influence that Brad has because he just goes just get the good thing. And you're and you're so good at selling it. You sold it as it's the last rig you'll ever buy. And I think now that I've put together the Track Racer TR80, 
uh, I cannot imagine having any need to upgrade again. So it is probably similar to what you've got, Karsten. Uh, and the difference when you set that up and get going on it is instant. Every single piece of equipment is now better and clearer because you're you're getting all the feedback, nothing's bending, and it just feels like solid, like being in a car. And um, I also have to point out that whilst wife isn't massively impressed, I have sold it to her on the basis that it is it will have obviously a resale value and if we ever can't eat food or pay the mortgage it will be the first thing to go so when i say i feel guilty what i really mean is spousal pressure has made me feel guilty uh but yeah i'm very happy with it it's the track racer uh, tr80 and i and i i i believe that will be the last one I just want to point out that the GT1 Evo that Carsten has and was talking about as a prize in, in his series was the main option that we were looking yes, at. But it was yeah. just very difficult to get hold of it in the UK without a big weight. Yeah. Um, so the, the track racer that you ended up getting is kind of very similar. They're, all of these aluminium rigs are, are kind of much of a muchness and you were able to get hold of it quite quickly, weren't you? So It literally came like the next day. It was from Demon Tweaks, great service, not sponsored by them, but they couldn't get hold of the Evo because... Um, I think they had just stopped being supplied by Simlabs to UK companies, I believe. That's only from one source. But um, yeah, the, the difference, Carsten, is is night and day, isn't it? It's like you're feeling the equipment as it's meant to be without being limited by the play seat, which flexes and or a desk that moves around. I was actually became like a, a carpenter for a few weeks and hammering a lot, uh, sawing and uh, trying to really it reinforce my rig so that every time I, I break that it, it didn't move away from the chair, and uh, it it just was just a mess. And is I, this? I, never, I don't know why I did it. I also got my my brother's like Brad. I just bought a new uh, wheel because I, I really have been upgrading this uh, winter, and then uh, I, it was it's a Simo Cube Two Pro. I don't know, Brad. You also have the same, I think. Yeah. Yeah, same and, one. And, and then I have the McLaren uh, GT3 uh, V2 uh, wheel for my CSL Elite. And you can actually rebuild that one so it can fit on it. But then my brother said, you're not working with electronics. Why, why do you do this? Why don't you just spend another <laughs> 300 quid and buy the Asher uh, uh. V64, uh, uh, sorry, F64 V2? Uh, that took i haven't told my wife yet <laughs> well hopefully she doesn't tune into missed apex i racing podcast uh but you know for a lot of people this is sim racing and i'm sure for most of the people on the panel now it has definitely become my main my only hobby i wouldn't dream of spending money on golf clubs or or green fees anymore because i i have sim racing and brad you've used the this is the last x you'll buy too many times now so you don't get to use that <laughs> argument again I think once you get to the real high-end equipment and, and your rig is, you know, the TR80 and, and the, the SimLab GT1 Evo and all these kind of very solid aluminium rigs, I can't see them ever wearing out. No. Ne- you're never no. going to need to get something more rigid than that. So it really does to me seem like the backbone now of your your sim rig for a decade. Anything else can now be upgraded around it and you'll actually get the benefit from it. If you get a direct drive wheel at some point, you'll actually be able to use it and, and exploit yeah. it whereas you wouldn't before. But this thing will now be just a, a permanent fixture fixture in your room, in your in sim shed. room or in your, in your podcasting room, and you'll never regret it. You're, you're going to be getting a benefit now forever, and it'll still be exactly the same condition when you're finished with it in a decade. I think actually what everybody should be really happy about is that there's so much money coming into this industry now and so many companies that the direct drive wheels that were new quite a few years ago are going to be so cheap and they're going to be so cheap within five years yeah. and everybody's going to go direct drive and you won't have these belt things afterwards. Oh, you could, you could have it for like an introduction to the sport, but I think we'll have built uh, these direct drive wheels for, for really, uh, I don't know what you call it. Really, really cheap money. Yeah. I don't know. I, Brad keeps sending me links. Matt, I don't, I don't think I could, I don't think I could even imagine going like 16, 1700 for a steering wheel. Does seem awfully painful unless you were just super elite in your status, or you know, or you've you've literally bought every other thing you could possibly buy. I mean, I don't know. I, I think about maybe upgrading to the TSPC sometimes, mm. but 
frankly, I had an interesting experience. I, I, I got on the SIM, forgot to cut on my, my feedback program. And so I drove some laps with no feedback on my wheel at all because I, I cut the feedback off at iRacing. And I actually found a couple of corners where I was faster without any feedback whatsoever. And it may just be because I spent so long driving actual cars on actual roads that the, that, that feeling makes me more cautious. And without <laughs> it, I'm just looking with my Maybe. eyes and guessing, you know, but there, there was a couple of corners. I'm like, oh, look at that. I can turn in way harder to that corner than I thought I could when I had the feedback on. Because the feedback says, no, something's bad. Something bad's going to happen, Brad. So I actually genuinely think for you and Matt, uh, something like a TSPC, because you, you've both come from, are you both on T300s at the moment? Yeah. Yeah. The jump from a T300, because I, I went from T300 to TSPC to, to direct drive. The jump from the T300 to the TSPC was definitely bigger than from the TSPC to direct drive. Um, obviously, actually, if you look at the forces involved, you could end up with a proportionally way higher force on the direct drive, but you never use that. You don't mm. actually get that that level. I'm I'm a lot more similar to the level I was at on the TSPC. So I think for a, a couple of years at least, you guys should probably be looking at something like that or the CSL Elite, something like that, because it's a giant jump from what you're currently using. Oh, is it? And if you're already thinking yours is kind of like okay for you, yeah. then TSPC level would be very good. Who, who does the t- who does TS- TSCP? Who's that? That's Thrustmaster. Oh, well. right. Okay, okay. Carsten? Yeah, I would just say that you can buy the steering wheel and – the only reason I did it was to get a more natural feeling of the, the bumps on the circuit. Um, and I talked a lot with uh, some of my friends there, almost just as fast as Brad. And they say, you won't get faster, but it would be more fun. Yep. But if you buy the real pedals that work really well, there you will find the track time. And what I found out, I could move my braking points 20, 30 meters. I'm really bad. So I can move them quite a lot still uh, in Sebring and, and break into the corners. I, I couldn't do that with the CSL Elite with the load cell and with the Heusenkill Sprint. Now I can feel the car into the corner. Sometimes I can also just dab it a little bit if I'm, I get a little bit of understeer going into the corner. But I'm, I'm not like a pro driver, but I really get a lot of enjoyment out of it, I must say. So there's, there's two things, isn't there? Pace and, and enjoyment. And when talking about what it is that you should upgrade and in what order, I'm not going to discount the the importance of of the pedals. And I think we've all made a lot of uh, of good cases for it but i think sorting up your setup so that you're in some way solid to me felt like the most important thing like going to the play seat challenge from uh, a rolly chair was such a massive upgrade in like immersion and feeling like you're in a, a race seat and, and also as well like if you're in your work chair you kind of still feel like oh, i'm still i'm still kind of at work you know and then you're putting that wheel in and on and on and off Have, i think the, the play seat which only comes in at about ooh, i can't remember how much it is but it's not it's not prohibitive although i bought a secondhand one and it, it broke so maybe don't be like me uh but i i think that's second brad so having you can talk about the pedals for performance but just for feeling like oh i'm in a racing car some kind of proper seat and rig yeah there's actually no point having any decent equipment at all unless you've got something at least half decent to bolt it to because you just you won't get any benefit at all you're actually better off with stuff that's got very little resistance because at least you're moving the equipment rather than the desk um so i agree i i went from a a play seat uh basically you can still buy them now but this was a good 10 years ago the standard play seat with the central bar that's kind of in between your legs that's always in the way of one of your legs i went from that to a gt omega which kyle now uses kyle always has all my second hands yeah Uh, and that was great for years and years as well and it was only once i started getting towards direct drive hydraulic pedals that even that started to feel like it was bending a bit um and now I'm in obviously something very similar to you and I can't see ever needing anything different, but it's, it's everything has to kind of evolve together. Everything has to move together because a really, really good steering wheel or really, really good pedals don't quite give you the benefit unless the thing they're bolted to is at least as good as that. So I think you need to decide if, if the mm. listener, uh, this particular listener or any other listeners are wondering what they should upgrade. I think what really decides that is, what you're currently using and if it is just a loose desk then then it's the frame that needs upgrading before yeah. the pedals even yeah and i mean having something to mount the pedals on is quite important and i love the question oh if you're thinking of upgrading come, brad 
anyone listening to this, we're all sim racing addicts. We're all thinking about what the next upgrade is, and you know you are. Uh, I would love your feedback on the order you did upgrades in or what you think that, you know, somebody with... Let's go from the desk clamp to the pedals that have got a bit of grip so that they're gripping the carpet. What you think is the most important upgrade and the way uh, that you went about it. Spanners at mistapex.net is our new fancy email address. Uh, Please follow our panel. Carsten, are you on the internets and Twitters and stuff? Uh, not twi- uh, I'm actually on Twitter, but uh, we don't really use it. It's only for media people and politicians. Actually, I'm a media people, but I don't really do that kind of stuff. I was going to say, aren't you on telly? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> done, done some shows, but it's mainly about cars. And I don't really do politics. So I'm mainly on, on like the old one. It's called Facebook. Oh, you're on Facebook. So um, yeah. we'll put links and everyone's name in the show notes below. Uh, you can follow Brad on his YouTube channel. You're still streaming. He's streaming much these days. I haven't done much recently. Uh, as I, ma- I mentioned it on the last episode, because I've been doing this Formula One series where they've just got an excellent broadcast, and that's yeah. really all I've been doing, I haven't really felt the need to stream, and I've not wanted to jeopardise my own race by maybe slowing the computer down. Even though I've got, I'm very fortunate to have an excellent computer, I just don't want to risk having streaming software crash or something in the background that then ruins the race. So anything that isn't broadcast professionally... I will be streaming. So yeah, head to my YouTube channel, just search for Brad Philpott on YouTube. And uh, we're going to do some Brad teaches spanners to do F1. We'll try and make a little bit of a video of that. But um, A, I was just getting used to having a solid rig. That was, by the way, one thing about the the rig, instantly had to relearn how to brake. Got the hang of it now, but almost immediately, I was locking the brakes constantly because the amount of pressure that I would have needed before to compensate not only for the bend in the play seat rig but also the amount it lifted my my chair up in the air all that extra pressure just went directly to the braking force and, and i was locking up so it took a while to adjust to that but also i needed to let my fingers recover because one thing we didn't talk about with the aluminium rig is it took about five hours a, a solid five hours and that was with a 10 year old helping and i have some workshop experience so i was you know, professionally a fault-finding engineer. I've I've built rocket launchers in the dark and that was a challenge to put together. Like, for example, I would not recommend that to Chris Stevens because he would just... It, imagine the WhatsApp voice notes. They would just be hours and it would be taking days. So I wouldn't recommend it for everyone <laughs> unless they had a bit of help. Uh, but as soon as my fingers have recovered, I've, I've got civvy fingers now and I've got cuts and bruises all over them and I'm actually sore from spannering and from alan keying but as soon as that's done we'll do a little uh brad and spanners f1 training session uh, and you can follow matt i suppose at matt pt 55 and he's always pushing something or other aren't you matt yeah like my wife's books for example mm, go and follow go and follow matt's wife not around the streets of brooklyn but on the internet she's at a weaver writes on on the internet does she mind that we're pushing her plugging her books does she get uh, she she gets a kick out of it. Oh, she okay. thinks there's probably not a huge crossover audience. You'd think I'd get a free copy or two by now. Not a single, even an e-voucher for any of them, Matt. Tell Amanda. I'm very Have sad. No. She'll send you some signed copies. By the way, she's doing quite well in Italy, apparently, right now. Massive in Italy. I might not enjoy reading them because I can't get around in my head that they're Matt Trumpets inspired. So it's basically Matt Trumpet's fan fiction. But anyway, uh, you don't want to follow those mugs. Follow me. I'm the best one at Spanners Ready. And this show has at iRacing Podcast for now until someone tells us to get off that. Wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind and have fun. This was Missed Apex Podcast. Let's get faster and avoid spending too much money. Don't talk to Brad. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.